We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Don't forget to rate us and review us, especially on Apple and Spotify. Uh, Cooley is with me on this Friday. Uh, Cooley, Zach writes, love the show, but I need some Cooley hunting updates. How did the elk hunt go? Did he ever find that buck from last year? Thanks for the great content over the years, especially the film breakdowns. Um, How did that elk hunt go? And did you ever find the buck from last year? Well, an elk, a male elk is a bull, and a male deer is a buck. And I was talking about a buck hunt or a deer hunt on my property, which I did not find. But I had 50 trips, so I only hunted one day. Oh. And yeah. And and there's other weird stuff. And like, I, okay, this is ridiculous, but that I'm talking about it, not what it is. If you get a general tag, it's only about 11 or 12 days, 11 days that you can hunt for a buck uh-huh. on my property or public property or, or whatever area that I'm in. Is that in November? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. like November 2nd or 1st through the 12th, right. something like that. Yep. But you, if you draw a tag, you draw a tag for different areas, which, by the way, everyone in Wyoming talks about, like, you just know. So you run into, like, uh, Timmons on the street, and you're like, hey, what's up, Timmons? He's like, yeah, I just drew for 142. Like, cool. I love 142. That's a great hunt. Uh, what'd you what'd you get? Um, 138. Ooh, bears there. I'm like, yeah, I know. I have no idea what what, what put in or what tags or yeah, what. Yeah, what does that point. even mean? But I, there are different areas or regions that uh-huh. you put in for, and that's where you can hunt if you get the, if you draw a tag. So they have a they have a lottery. So does one forty one does one forty one or one thirty eight actually have a lot of bears in it? One forty one and one thirty eight have no meaning to me. I have no idea. What I know, they but are. but just is it possible <laughs> that one area has more bears yeah. than another? Yeah. Okay. It's it's absolutely possible. Well, I wouldn't want to draw that no, area. Essentially, essentially, like once you go. There, where I live is surrounded by two mountain ranges. It's a hundred mile valley. Um, to the east is the Bighorn Mountains. There are no, theoretically, there are no grizzly bears there. There is some thoughts that maybe they have traveled across the valley, and they're, they're, they're very well could be at this point. They're very limited if there are. But to the west are the Absorca Mountains, and there are a lot of grizzly bears in there. 
And as you go through that west side of it, yeah, there, there, are, there are a lot of bears. Um, in the valley where Powell, Cody, all that is, there are some bears, but it's, it's rare. They're mountain lions. Some bears. Oh, gee, gee, by the way, you got to um, tell everybody about the cougar that was spotted on your property. Yeah, uh, this is the, actually the only thing I'm frustrated about because you can draw a mountain lion tag or a cougar, and I think they're the same thing. And I had a friend who was duck hunting on my property, and he texted me and he said, "Did you know there's a mountain lion on your property?" And I said, "I did not. I should have that day went and." paid for a tag. I don't, I don't, you don't have to draw at that point for a mountain lion tag. I'm pretty sure. And then, and then game and fish came three or four days later and they, they have people that shoot them. They don't want them down there. I think the game and fish shot it. Oh, I guess it was a huge male, a huge male mountain lion, like 150 pound oh lion. So, so that you who contacted game and fish to come get it. I am not sure who contacted Game and Fish. They can travel quite a bit, but yeah, they, the Game and Fish came and got it. But the way people hunt them out there is they get dogs and they put them up in trees. They tree them, and then they shoot them out of the tree. Wait, they put but a hundred fifty pound hold, mountain lion. Hold, 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 stop! They, they stop! Get, slow down. They put okay. dogs in trees. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. The dogs sniff out the lion. They run the lion up into a tree and they shoot the lion out of the tree. Oh, gotcha. Okay, sorry. So the dog, so the dogs finds the cougar. The cougar chases the dog back to the tree stand, and then they. Mm-hmm. The cougar, no, no. Okay. The dogs bark and chase the cougar. The cougar runs from the dogs. The cougar tries to seek refuge in a tree because the dogs cannot get it in a tree. You then shoot the cougar out of the tree. Oh my God! So cougars are afraid of dogs. Yeah. I mean, well, I really don't want. I, like, I think the most part is that, like, they don't love getting in and around people. You don't see them often. But you see more bears than you do cougars. Well, do you see cougars? I have not seen a cougar since I lived in Utah. When I saw, and you, like, on occasion you'll see them like at night. But no, I, I, I think they're more nocturnal. Uh, do you know where I, I saw? Did, again, I'm gonna. I'm, I want to reference this idea that. I'm not a cougar hunter. I'm not much of a hunter as it is. I'll end up hunting more as my son gets older, and we'll, we'll, I know we'll do a bunch of that stuff. But I know you don't want a cougar on your property. <laughs> like, and for me, the, the river runs below the bottom of my property on what's public land. And it's to, for, for me to walk to the rivers about a 300, 400-yard walk, 500-yard walk. So it's not in my backyard. Like, the cougar is not in my backyard. It is in on my property, but a quarter mile away or half a mile away by the river on the river bottom. Yeah, but it could still travel. You know, if it's hungry, looking for food at your house. Do you know I did see a cougar once? You know where I saw a cougar playing golf at Kiowa. Who are you? At Kiowa in really? South Carolina. Yes. And the, and the caddy said, you may see a cougar. We've got a cougar. We've got a couple of cougars out on the course. And this cougar lives in this big, air, bushy area. And sure enough, it was lying down. We saw it. And I'm like, well, they're like, no, they don't bother you. I mean, you don't, if you hit your ball in there, you don't want to go in there. Um, but they don't bother you. So, uh, they, I, so they're not, are they, they're passive, right? You'd have, what would you have to do? Come upon one of their young to get a cougar to attack you? 
Because I've heard of mountain lion attacks. Come up on like a, or come up on a kill that it had, or something that was eating. Right. I think it would protect a kill. <laughs> One of these days, Kev, I'm going to find out. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. I mean, a cougar looks like. I mean, it looks like a lion. It, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's like it's like you're in Africa and you came upon a lion. They 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 look menacing. Oh, I would much rather. I don't know. You don't want a cougar or a bear. <laughs> I mean, more importantly to you. So first of all, I'm in Jacksonville. I know you are visiting my in-laws. It's 28 but below zero in Powell right now. 28 <laughs> below 28 zero. 28 below zero. They closed the highway between Powell and Cody, which I live on. So, uh, like, I wouldn't have been able to leave my house yesterday. Uh, I have a friend staying at my house. He sent some videos. Uh, it, it was negative 52 with wind chill. The wind was blowing like 30 miles an hour. It was negative 18 with the wind blowing 30 or 40 miles an hour. It looked so bad. It was. It looked like it looked like hell. Hell frozen over. And you you got out of there just in time. The two days before, man, it was. It was and is, I guess, just absolutely awful there. What when you've Which been is not common for December? N- no, and and look, I mean, this this Arctic front is like one of the biggest, coldest Arctic fronts to 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 kind of enter the lower forty eight in like thirty some years. I mean, today the the temperature is plummeting here. Tomorrow, Christmas Eve, it's going to be in the teens you know, in, in low 20s and, and near, you know, five at night. Um, it's going to be one of the coldest Christmas Eves on record in D.C. and, and the whole country's. But you, you, you've had minus 25 before. When you, is there ever a point where it gets so cold that it's hard to heat your, your house? Well, if your house is insulated well, no. My log cabin probably needs some more work. I told you I had to go do a bunch of stuff to fix it. I have a big living room that's that's tall and open. It's all log, and the windows aren't very good. So when it got two two years ago, we had I think twelve or thirteen days not above zero, and we have a real wood burning fireplace. Like I kept that sucker going. Right. But no, I mean, for the most part, it's not, as long as you're, I'm sure it's taken up some propane that we're on, but no, our house, you can keep it, you can keep it heated, all right? I I love wood-burning fireplaces and wood-burning stoves. Oh, it's so good. Like when you, especially when it's like that cold outside, after you burn a fire for five or six hours, then your fireplace gets all, the rocks get all hot and they just keep the house warm. Yeah. yeah, it is nice. It's fun. You don't get that with gas. By the way, on a day like today, I'm just curious, are, are bears, bears are hibernating right now, right? Hibernating, yeah. yeah. So. But it is supposed to get to 23 in Jacksonville tomorrow morning. That's unbelievable. So it's it's cold all the way through north, into northern Florida. All right, let's, uh, let's get Everyone to Everyone here thinks it's frigid. Of course, I think it's warm. Well, 20, 23 for, for, you know, even North Florida is pretty damn cold. Um, All right. Let's get to some football discussion. Uh, 
you've got a lot of thoughts on the Giants game, uh, and we can start there. And then next segment, we can kind of talk about the 49ers game, do our, give our predictions, and then I'll finish up the show with a smell test. So tell us what you thought about the game on Sunday night, and then I know you did some film breakdown of Heineke and of the offense, Brian Robinson Jr., Scott Turner. Go ahead. Uh, the, the, the floor is yours. It's funny, I watched the game Sunday night with a buddy, and we sat there and drank beers, and <clears throat> I had a pretty good feel for the game, but it was more of a relaxed feel, and then we got into the airport in Denver and had a layover, and the game was on again, and so I watched the le- the second half while we were in the layover, and I had a, a bit of a different feel. You mean the repeat And then I watched it. it again on, uh, yeah, the repeat of the game was on again Monday, yeah. and then I watched it on film yesterday. And it's an interesting game. It's it's not that dissimilar from the previous game that they played. It would have been hysterical had they tied the game again at twenty twenty. Right. I mean, can you can you imagine back to back weeks to go twenty twenty? Uh, they lost the game. In, in, I didn't think they played great ball, and we can get into that. But they lost the game really about three or four plays, in, in my opinion. You know, the Heineke fumble, and he has got to stop fumbling the football when he's under pressure. The Heineke fumble and Thibodeau return from the two-yard line is an unbelievable dagger to them. It's an offense that can't score enough points, that can't afford to give the defense points. You can't afford to give the other team points when you can't score more than 20 a week. It's just an absolute killer because they're playing good defense. You know, they gave up one real drive, like one big-time drive. Um, But that's, that's an absolute dagger. The Terry McLaurin penalty is so egregious, it's unbelievable. And you know where I stand right now, that I'm indifferent. I've actually changed from thinking sometimes, ah, they lost again. I'm, I'm indifferent. You know, at this point, I, want, I kind of wanted them to win the game. I like Heineke. I like the comeback. The Terry McLaurin penalty is unbelievably egregious, and they score there. Terry McLaurin lines up at the line of scrimmage. Before the motion, he then scoots up a yard and points at the side, side judge who points directly back at him, which is an absolute assurance to that receiver. And I've done this plenty of times. An absolute assurance. Yes, I understand you are on the ball. The side judge points back at him. That is not a penalty. I saw somewhere Jay Gruden said he should be suspended. He should be suspended. He should be fined. He should be suspended. That, that is unbelievable. That can't happen. Uh- Nothing he did had an impact on the play. It changed nothing with what they had to do, and he was assured by the side judge that, in fact, he was on the line of scrimmage. He actually scooted up even further. That is bullshit. He, okay, uh, he, let me just play devil's advocate because this was something that I wanted to get your thoughts on, and I haven't talked to you about it. So I think it was bullshit, too. I think especially if, indeed, what the referee was acknowledging was that he had moved up far enough and that he was he was good. My my one area of it's possible that he told Terry he's got to move up um, and that the acknowledgement wasn't necessarily that he was at the line of scrimmage because Terry barely moved up and he was not on the line of scrimmage. Okay, I'm not I saying... Agree. I'm not saying that it should should have been a penalty because even Dean Blandino said the referees are instructed not to be as literal 
um, with that play as long as the, you know, the, the player makes an effort to get to the line of scrimmage pre-snap. But there is that – he's nowhere near the line of scrimmage. He, when he was asked to move up, he barely took a half a step forward. And what Terry said, though, is I asked him, he told me to move up, and then he acknowledged that I was on. And so if that's true, then the referee was just like, ha, 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 I'm going to get this dude, and threw his flag. That's what you have to believe. You have to believe that the referee said, move up, hey, you're good, and then because he pulled that flag quickly, but I'm going to get you anyway. So if you believe that that happened, fine. I think it's a bit of a stretch, and I think it's more gray than what came next, which was an egregious miss on a pass interference on Curtis Samuel on the fourth down. Well, and, and that's 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 another egregious miss, and that was the next play. But, but what do you make of my McLaurin? This, this is like, yeah, wh- this is like I leave my I leave my neighborhood uh, as I leave my a guy I know is is the county sheriff, and I I said. I say to him, you know, the speed limit is 35. Am I getting a ticket for going 42? And he says, no. Right. No one will pull you over for going 42. I turn out of my driveway. I accelerate immediately to 42. He flips his lights on, pulls me over. I'm like, you're funny. He goes, no, here's a ticket. Right. Clearly, I was over 35, but he told me I was not going to have a ticket for going 42. Right. I mean, to the point, Terry's breaking the rule. He's not on the line of scrimmage. But that's an arbitrary deal. Like normally, they'll give you within a yard of the line of scrimmage. Right. And if you're leaning forward a little bit, any part of your body that's any closer would be considered a little bit closer. Right. Terry scooted up. The official and the side just pointed at him. Nobody ever, ever. I never did this once. Walked anywhere near the line of scrimmage and said, "Hey, I'm off. Can you make sure I'm off?" That is not something you check for. No receiver checks to say, "Hey, make sure I'm off the ball." They know they're off the ball. Terry checked to see if he was on the ball. The side judge agreed. He concurred. He said, you're on the ball. It's not a penalty. He then, told him he was on the ball. Then why did he throw the flag? Horseshit. Then why did he throw the flag? He, because he, I mean, that's, that's Vegas talking, right? I mean, that is, that is deep. I don't know. Okay. I, I, it doesn't, I mean, maybe in his mind, he did this, you know, muscle memory where the receiver looks at him and points and he points back. You know, as the sheriff reference, like when I drive down the street and I pass a cop, I just wave, and naturally they wave. <laughs> because they wave doesn't mean they can't pull me over. But he just naturally waves at me because, you know, someone waves at you. Maybe he pointed at him, and the ref's like, hey, what's up, man? Oh, shit, I pointed. Hey, you're still off. Got a flag. Well, I, I'm suggesting that, that, really, I'm suggesting that that's a possibility. Point. That, you know, this, this acknowledgement. Yeah, that's, that's wrong. That this acknowledgement that's wasn't. not how it's. That's, that's just not how it's played. Okay. It's not how we do it. All right. It is not how it's done. It's not how it's ever been done. It's crap. Okay. Well, then this was, you know, all, for all the conspiracy theorists out there, uh, according to Cooley, you're right. This guy was out to fuck the skins and fuck Dan Snyder and, and not let the skins get to the playoffs. You have to, I mean, you have, you have to believe that. Like, I'm not saying – I, uh, in the conspiracy theory, I'm willing to acknowledge that he just pointed at Terry and then realized he pointed, but said in his mind, well, he's still off. i got to throw a flag. Okay. Yeah. The, the thing is, is Terry tried to scoot it. He knew he was on. Like, it wasn't what Dotson went in motion away. Was it Dotson? It was Dotson going in motion. Terry knew he wasn't. Who, who, whoever went in motion. Terry was, knew was he Dotson. wasn't going in motion. Yeah. 
He knew that Dotson was going to go in motion. It was Deami Brown. It was Deami Brown, actually, who went in motion. Deami Brown. But Terry knew he had to be on the ball, Mm -hmm. and he tried to scoot up and get on the ball. He made that attempt. And normally, normally, and this is even worse. This, to me, is even worse. At the end of the game where this doesn't really should not be called, should not matter. This is like a preseason penalty. Like, we're going to acknowledge you've got to be on the ball. You know, but five point, the normally the side judge will help you. He's actually looking at it from a side angle. He'll say, a little more, scoot up. up. Like he, he will help you get on the ball. Right. That is not uncommon for that side judge. To we we see it all the time. Yeah, yeah, as NFL fans, we know. We see that all the time. You know, and, and it's funny. What was interesting, what came out of this, just as I don't think I've mentioned this all week, how many people I've interacted with that said, what is it that he did wrong? Most people don't understand that you're only allowed a certain number of players in the backfield and that the last ineligible has to be covered up. Um, and that last ineligible was that tackle, and he's got to be covered up by the last receiver on the outside, and he wasn't covered up. Terry needed to be on the line of scrimmage, and he wasn't. But again, to your point, and this is what Blandino said, it's not to be taken literally like you have to be right there. As long as you've communicated, hey, you're good, then he should be good. So in this case, if he did say you're good, then he decided to let you leave your, you know, your neighborhood, get to 42, and then turn the siren on and run you down and give you a ticket anyway because he's just a dick. Because he's a dick. Now, we all can acknowledge Terry needed to scoot up at least a half a yard. At least. That, that I can tell you. Yes. Eh, half a yard would have got it done. Half a yard he'd been on the ball. Yep. But that is where it is. Oh, also, aborting that little deal, which is a nightmare to me, which is even worse of a nightmare in a critical situation at the end of the game. Like in a critical situation at the end of the game, you're going to flag that. Then you're not going to turn around and flag a, a, a piggyback ride for a pass interference? That was terrible. I mean, whoever it was on the – was it Blandino on the broadcast or whoever they brought in? It's like, if you're going to call it ever, you've got to call it all game. Yeah, Terry McCauley. Terry McCauley. And, and Terry McCauley's calling it and everyone's calling it. And, you know, I mean, Collinsworth is calling it. And, and and everyone, Giants fans are probably calling it. Like, it's P.I. It was P.I. Of course it was. It was. so obvious pass interference. Yeah. So you're going to call a receiver. So this is where it's bullshit. You're going to call a receiver a half a yard off the line of scrimmage two plays earlier, right. and then you're not going to call a, a a blatant pass interference because of the the moment of the game. No, no, no. So they got screwed in that instance. The other play that cost him is the other Heineke fumble. Like the dude has got to stop fumbling. Can't turn the ball over. Well, they're they're lucky that play was whistled dead because it would have gone back to the house or would have gone a long way. I understand that. I I, I want you to – you're going to get told they this. Lost, okay, they, lost the game on, they lost the game on four or five plays. I don't – again, we get into some of the offensive stuff. I don't think it was a great game offensively. I think that there was a lot that they could have had, a lot that they didn't have. But essentially, it you know, it's the same type of ball game, and you have to have those four or five plays go your way. That's right. They, they tied the last game on four or five plays that didn't go their way. That's right. And, and a couple could, yeah. a couple plays did sort of go their way, like a, a sack fumble two games ago that, that they recovered. Right. But, I mean, it'd be, we, between two games, a tie and a loss, and you take eight plays and change it, and really – 
truly eight plays and change it to what I think the better team is. Washington should have won both of those ballgames. It's so funny because I think that they're the better team too. Well, let me just say they've got, I think they have better players, but isn't that pretty hard to say when you've played two straight games and you tied one and you lost one? to say definitively that you're the better team. I think you can say they've got right. better players, but I don't think you can say they're the better team. I, I think you go back to the end of the, the tie game, and I, I would still say that Washington's a better team, and I think when you tie and you lose, I think that New York is either coached better or, or yeah, executing better, but New York's a better team. Their quarterback's I, better. I was wrong. Their, I, I, their, their quarterback's, quarterback's better. better and, and and I would I think you're right. I think at, at the end of a tie and a loss, you, you would say right now New York's a better team. Would I be Would I be afraid afraid for Washington to play New York in the in the playoffs? No, of course not. I think it's a matchup in a game that they could and should win. Now, would I be afraid for them to play San Francisco? Yes. Well, <laughs> absolutely. We're going to get to see that one tomorrow. <laughs> um, you, I, I mean, you're, you've got a lot to get to, but. What you said is what we talked about going into both of these games, and that is this is going to be a, a game which is a game more about not losing it rather than winning it. And Washington lost it. They had the negative plays. New York didn't have any. New York didn't have one negative play in the game, one critical negative play in the game. Not one. They didn't have one turnover. They didn't have a back-breaking penalty, although they should have in the end zone. I mean, that should have been called. Um, and there were, by the way, and I pointed this out on Monday and Tuesday, there were calls missed against the Giants, too. I mean, it's very lucky that sure. that's ruled, that second fumble by Heineke is ruled down. If not, it, it could be 24-12, the game's over. You know, um, you had a helmet to helmet clearly on a Daniel Jones completion on that long drive in the first half. Jamin Davis hits him, not called. There was a couple of, I thought, illegal uh, holding and, and even a, a PI early that wasn't called. I thought they let him play for the most part, which is maybe why the, the, the Samuel play at the end. But that, you know, he was bear hugged. He was mauled, um, you know, before the ball got there. But anyway, um, go ahead. Okay, so get to I – didn't, uh, I didn't watch the defense on film. Okay. I, I, I just skipped through it. So, okay. you know, watching the game, I, I still think that they played good defense. You know, you got to make a couple more plays, but I still think that they're stout defense. Right. Offensively, here's my my first thought from what we talked about last week, and I said to you, I think this team has to go tempo. I think the tempo worked on the first drive last week. I think when you want to run more plays, when you feel like you're a better team, to run more plays with more more urgency gives you an advantage to win a game. And you know, even Heineke was asked about it, and he said it's just hard to run tempo because there's stuff we're not going to get to. What the fuck were you trying to get to in this game? They didn't set up anything. Like, what, what were they going to get to? And that's what I would continue to ask. Washington is, what are you getting to? Mm-hmm. Like, there are times where they throw the ball down the field, but they are right now one of the worst teams in the league at creating big plays. They don't get them. Had a chance with the Curtis Samuel play. Had a chance with the Curtis Samuel play on the, on the last drive, but he didn't lead him inbounds. That should have been a touchdown, right? Sure. 
Had a shot, yeah. But that's that's the last drive, and that that, that is an urgent drive. Yeah. So, you know, you go through this game, and uh, here's what's crazy to me is early in the game and throughout the first half, it, it, they're playing a, a consistent seven, eight-man box. New York decided we are going to put one more in the box than you have. But Washington still ran the ball well. The, it, and they didn't just pound the ball. Uh, I mean, there were things that you could have set up, and there were things that they could have had, and they, they got to a couple of them in the second half. But instead of getting to shots early in the game, they, they were trying to get to like the gimmick run plays, like a fly sweep with an extra dude on the end of the line of scrimmage, which goes backwards. You know, that fake pitch and the underneath handoff that gets tackled for loss, which, by the way, could have just been the pitch play and would have had 10. Right. You know, there was no compliment pass game to what was a pretty good run game early with a loaded box. 7.4 yards per carry Robinson Jr. averaged. He only got 12 carries in the game. And, and Gibson was, what, 4 point yeah, something? Four and point, the team, they were 6.1? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they had they, they had one reverse to Deami Brown that worked. But, yeah. You know, what are you trying to set up? that you can't go fast for it. Like I said to you last time, last time, and I believe this, and a big part of it is because I watched what they did against the Eagles, just run the ball three, four, five yards, and Robinson's getting better. Oh. It, it, and I, I think in part it's because he's getting healthier. He's quicker than yeah. he was six weeks ago. Oh, he looks like, There's great. more of a burst. He's running with power. He looks great. Should have had 24 touches in that game. No doubt. Scott Turner. Like, Scott Turner admitted it. it after Scott Turner the other day said, uh, "In you know, in hindsight, probably should have given it to you know Brian a lot more." Of course, but the, so the compliment pass game just isn't there, and New York knew it wasn't going to be there because New York played him two weeks ago and said, "You seven man protected seventy percent of the time that you threw it anything other than third down, and even on some of the third downs you did." So we'll load the box. If you're only going to send three, we'll load the box. And they still ran it on them. You know, and, and I'm sitting there in the first half like, God, they're crashing edges here. Like Heineke had, had a keeper that he pulled, and he had another one that he should have very well pulled. Yeah, the minus like, two-yard run could... to Robinson. That was the one negative run for Robinson Jr. He should have pulled that. Thibodeau was he crashing down. He could have thrown to Deami Brown, in, or he could have thrown to Dawson in the flat, or he could have just run it. You're going to put the choice on one defender. But after the first one, he pulled him. Like, God, you could boot all day on these guys. And they ended up getting two boots in the second half, and that's all they called. Yep. Like, God, when you see a six or, or seven-man box, or potentially, like, when they put Curtis Samuel in the backfield early in the game, New York brought eight into the box, into, into seven, a tight end, I think it was Robinson and Samuel in the backfield. New York brought eight in the box. That is a boot opportunity clearing to find. And they're crashing edges to try to stop counter. Right. And, like, and they couldn't stop counter, so they're going to keep crashing edges. They're going to try to continue to play inside gap, crash edges, stop counter. And they could have booted 15 times in this game. Why is eight in the box such an obvious... Why is boot such an obvious answer to eight in the box? Well, 
not always just an obvious answer, but the way New York plays with the four down front or mixing in what they had is like almost like an under front with the safety coming down in the box is the safety can't cover the crosser that's coming from the backside of the field from five yards, or it's a much tougher cover. They can't cut it from any depth. The linebacker's got to play more gap stuff. And if you don't have that outside player or your contained player playing boot, which they didn't, especially when Thibodeau right. was the outside player, he was crashing. Right. Then you, your, your complement to it is boot. Like if you're going to crash on my zone run stuff, then we're going to keep it and take the edge. And at one point in the second half, they did it, and Heineke ran for 14. Right. That was, that was a, that was a naked what. boot on a third and one. Right. I, I mean, when you have that loaded box, you have an opportunity to get outside of the pocket, it's, unless they're truly playing it, and they didn't. Right. And there's only one way when yeah. you get that box to find out is to boot here. And like, to, you know, your second series of the game, you're like, Gosh, dang, they are crashing edges. Boom. <laughs> You're getting outside the pocket. Um, or more zone read. Or, or potentially having some more zone read stuff or some RPO stuff. RPO yep. stuff would be really good. Like, let's read that down safety. If he's going to play run in the box, let's just throw a one-yard stop route to Terry or a look route and just have him run. Uh, they did not get the ball. Here's the other thing with compliment pass. And they, it's funny because I'm sitting there watching this first half. And the end of the first half, they threw a hook to Terry in a two-minute situation. And then the first play of the third quarter, they threw a hook on a run-action pass to Terry. Right. So when you have an eight-man box, you and they played quarters and a lot of three, which, by the way, is also very good for boot because you don't have that defined flat defender like you do in a cover two-look with corners sitting out there. Right. Like you, you have – a tougher flat, you, like you're challenging the flat player to play run or flat and pass. But they throw a hook to Terry in the first play of the third quarter. It's like premier matchup. Terry McClure one-on-one is premier to get anything slant, which they didn't throw all game, hooks to the outside, comebacks, tighten down corners and out routes. Like you had one-on-one matchups with Dotson and Terry McLaurin on the outside all day, and you never took advantage of any one-on-one matchups. Now, <laughs> I understand that there's an argument like, hey, we don't know if we have time. Well, you have time to throw a 12-yard hook. And they were playing off, and they would have been there throughout the day. It's just boom, boom, boom. Let's challenge them on the outside. You've got to get them out of this box, and then let's run the ball. But nothing was needed so set up. You know, the tempo would have been good for them. Um, so one-on-one's outside compliment pass game boot. He should have ran the ball a lot more, but you needed to, you needed to pick up the pace. It was a lethargic, slow paced game offensively. And to me, that is not an offensive game that they want to find themselves in. Okay. Um, Heineke, (laughs) let's get to Heineke. First of all, I, I counted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pass plays that were impact plays in the game. He was 17 of 29. Seven pass plays were impact plays. Three were on the last drive. The deep shot, which was a hell of a catch by Dotson, one-on-one, I like the shot. He threw a honey hole into a cover two look late in the game, which I said they didn't play a lot of two. They did late. He threw a honey hole shot to Samuel, and then he threw like a a flattened corner out to Dotson to get down to into the red zone. Like three really good pass plays. Something with him when pressure's on him, or when there's pressure in the game, he comes through. Yeah, but the Samuel but throw, that, the Samuel throw on the all twenty-two looks like it's it should have been a touchdown if he makes a better throw. 
Yeah, but he's afraid the safety's going to come over the top, and so he's setting him down on that one. He's getting. He made. He made sure to get it over the that's, corner. But, I, I understand but that safety's saying. nowhere near the play. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. But it's still, it's a, it's an impact throw, and he doesn't look like he's truly reading the safety. He's trying to throw the inside seam, and he falls into the outside go. Ooh, that's... Like he's truly the reason the safety's not there is because the safety's holding on the inside seam, which he's looking at hard to throw, and then he falls late into the outside go route. So I I want to make sure I'm I'm clear on this because because when I watched when when I watched it on TV I thought that's a tough that's probably a tough throw versus cover two he's got to fit it in there Samuel makes a really good grab and then when I watched it on the all twenty two that safety moves early and Samuel is by the defender and it's nothing but green grass and that ball is led to the outside and and by the way Samuel does a great job just to catch it and get both feet in. And I just thought that's got to be a throw where you lead them at least in bounds. Maybe, you know, the honey hole shot, I understand what you're talking about when that safety comes over, but that safety made his move early. Um, and the throw should have been a touchdown, I thought. But but you're saying he doesn't think the safety is going to bite on the seam as quickly as he did. Well, I mean, he's looking at the safety. So, to your point, he probably should have known. Let me pull it up here. You, you know what I mean? He, he's eyeballing the safety. I mean, the safety Make makes – I've, I've got the play up right now. The safety makes his move to the seam route before Taylor even winds up to throw. So, he's, he, pro- he looks off the safety, and Samuel is wide open with nothing but green grass in front of him. And if he puts it out in front of him, it's six. Again, yes, I'm not going to debate that. You're absolutely right. If he puts it out in front of him, I think I think he's got I think he's got an opportunity. And I would say this: like he's got the arm strength for that. I don't think he's got this cannon zip arm. But yeah, the safety cuts the crosser hard. He yeah, he just he should have seen this. But if you watch him from the end zone. Like he he's taking the snap, he is holding that middle of the field safety, and he falls into it late. Right. He should have fell into it earlier, and yes, he should have gotten the ball further down the field. But still, it's an impact throw. It gets him down to the thirty yard line and gives him an opportunity. Right. Yep. It it did. They had to score a touchdown and make a two point conversion. Oh, and, that, this and, is it. and then right, and then he checks down to Logan Thomas, where Logan Thomas dives at, uh, out of bounds, and and that's what they had to review that, but they they make the call right. Yeah. And then they should have run. Then, then they should have handed the ball off to Robinson three straight times into the end zone, but they didn't. How did they not hand the ball off three straight times to Robinson in the end zone? Well, they don't because they get the fucking penalty. Well, I mean, I'm talking about he had, he had the 19 yard run, um, and uh, oh no, that's on the previous drive. My fault. On the, uh, yes, the, the, the Heineken fumble drive. But that, that, that drive should have just been Robinson, Robinson, Robinson after the 61-yarder to Dotson, which I agree. I like that throw. I like the chance he took on that one. Yeah. All right, so seven impact, you know, seven impact throws out of like his seven 17. Impact throws. Yeah. I, I, I think other than that, you know, not a ton of impact plays. They had the zone read pull that was okay. He had enough. He had a scramble down to the two yard line, which 
I didn't. I thought there was a chance that he got that in. How did you? How did he and not? Kinda, get, how did he not score there? And he like turns his shoulder and turns it down. Like, how does he not cut inside Dawson? I and don't take like Thibodeau, Thibodeau. takes him out right at the pylon, but I think it's fifty-five coming from the inside. If he if he makes a cut inside of Thibodeau. Like just sticks his right foot in the ground Boom. And then, instead of running into Thibodeau. It's it's an it's easy score. I, 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 when he took off live watching it on TV, I'm like, this is a touchdown. This is easy with him. You know, he's going to go airborne. Oh, you yes. know, uh, but but you know, then looking back at it, you're exactly right. If he just plants that right foot and cuts it back, he just walks in untouched. That that shocked me because this is. You know, he actually took a pounding at the end of that play, and he probably could have scored upright. But I mean, those are the plays when you were when you when you got that ball in your hands and you make that cut. Because I also know how that feels. You're like, what? The, what was I doing? Like, why? I, I, but I don't know. I, I mean, that the natural reaction Kev, should have been to avoid contact with Thibodeau, which would take you as a cut inside, unless you're just going to run out of bounds at the two uh, or three. No, I think, he, I think he's a pylon guy. I think he's going for the pylon. I know, but the angle, like, Thibodeau clearly has an angle. I know. It would have been an it would have been, all he's got to do is cut it back. I, I, but I was shocked that he didn't score live, and then after looking at it over and over again, I'm still shocked he didn't score. It's unbelievable that he doesn't score. Um, throughout the game, you know, didn't like a lot of Heineke early. He's high with the vert throw to Logan Thomas, which is a single high safety out of, out of an empty set. He's got Logan Thomas running up the seam open. A corner outside of him tried to midpoint and uh, go in a, in a seam with Logan Thomas, and he throws it two feet over his head. Yeah. You know, he missed. He, t- he takes a sack, which was a third and eight they ended up punting on where he that has a that scissors combination or a corner post combination, and if he steps up, he's got Dotson wide open on a quarter out. He, he's got to be able to see that. That's I think the second drive of the game. And that was the, the first. That fumble. was the first drive. That was the first drive where they ended up punting the, in the right. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean it was the four yard sack that he took that knocked him out of field goal range. Because... Yeah, they're at the thirty two, and that's that's that can't happen. Yeah. Secondly, like there's a little win, but what what that's a fifty. What would that end up? What was the sack? How did, did so it that? was at the 31. Was, he lost was, four yards, so it's back to the 35. So it's going to be a 52-53 yarder. And Ron said afterwards <laughs> that they, there was too much wind and that was not going to be something they kicked. And it was early in the game, and you had a chance with your best punter, with the Pro Bowl punter, Tressaway, to knock him inside the five. By the way, Cooley, I, I don't want to lose this thought because I talked about this. The punt returner, um, J- uh, James, on that punt returner, I mean, you never see – Somebody field a punt and return it when somebody when the other team's punting at the other team's thirty five yard line, and he totally no, caught them off guard, and he literally should have scored had he stayed the to the outside. I don't know if you saw that or not. I thought no, Mayo, no doubt should have scored. They yeah. didn't expect him to return it. It was great. It was a great play. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Okay, progressively throughout the game, you know, he takes up. The, the sack and the fumble from Thibodeau on the two-yard line, which is such a dagger. They're in quarters coverage. He's got Bates running a corner out. He's going to come open. It's got to be before he comes out of the break, but that ball's got to be out. And I know that you don't always feel blindside pressure, and it came off, off of Leno or Leto, and 
the ball the ball should have been out. But one way or another, he, he can't fumble every time. Like he is fumbling way too often, See, way too often. That ball actually should have been out in timing to to Bates on a corner. Out. Really, he's trying to throw it. He's trying to throw it, and and it's terrible for. I'm not suggesting that it's good protection, but I think the ball could have been out. Hmm. But if it's not, like you got to feel something. Like, you can't, like there are dudes that feel that pressure. I mean, there there's a lot of sack fumbles that happen in that situation, but I mean, if you don't like it, you better know it's coming. What did you think of what set that up, the holding penalty on Lucas? I thought it was very, very, you know, ticky-tack. I thought it was horseshit. It's a great run. It's not a penalty, right. and it's it's bullshit. Yeah. So, so yeah, you said they let him play something. They, 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 no, that that one they didn't. So I, uh, but I would also ask you. I agree with you. I think that because that that's what set up the the second and eighteen from the their own ten. I'm just not going to drop them back in that in that part of the field on second and eighteen. Second and eighteen. I think that's a terrible call. R- throw a bubble, run a draw, and try to you know get to third and makeable. And if you don't make your third down, punt it. But you, they dropped him back on second and eighteen when when we've already seen what Thibodeau was already. Thibodeau had be was the best player in the game at that point. Already he was the best player no in the doubt. game. No, and, and as much as New York was crowding the line of scrimmage, like all their screen stuff, get to get to a little screen, see what happens. See if you get nine, see if you break one. Yeah, I mean, second eighteen, so they're going to be a little bit softer. But you, you, it's obvious you're afraid of New York's pass rush. It's, it has been over two weeks. So, yeah, yeah get to something else. Uh, they get down what to the forty or something. Any, this is probably third or fourth drive. Way underthrows Deami Brown on a shot to the end zone. Right. Deami falls down, but the ball like that's he falls down because the ball is so short. Right. That was not a lot of people wanted DPI in that. I did not think that was pass interference. No, he it wasn't DPI. It would have been tough to get to that ball. It wasn't a great adjustment, and he fell trying to make the adjustment. But that ball is landing like Deami Brown's on pace to catch that midway in the back of the midway through the end zone, and that ball lands on the two yard line. It was a risky crossing route to Curtis Samuel. Could have been a pick. It's undercut on a third down at the New York 40. Um, probably the next play. Uh, he's late to the check down consistently throughout the game. You know, I take. There's a sack late that's an interesting one. Uh, in the what on the New York 34 yard line. There's a five man pressure to empty set. He gets a free hitter. Like I actually drew this up, and it's it's so funny. I'm trying to think exactly where this was. It's probably third quarter 27 hits him mm-hmm. yeah Pinnock five-man pressure and they they go to the line of scrimmage and the Heineke points at the pressure and then they still slide their line away from it the guard swipe or uh Norwell ends up taking two he takes what's the dude that play let's played safety for us or for them Fabian and New York Fabian and then, Royal. No, twenty-one. Oh, 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 if you're going to slide your line to the right, which they did, they didn't adjust or change line slide. There's four guys to a side. 
Okay. It's 97-21, the end, I think, is Thibodeau, and then 27. It's four guys with three to protect. That is red seven, hot route. <laughs> we can't block four yeah. with three. It's right. just, I mean, Norlo is not always going to put two guys down. Like, that's a hot route. And he could have thrown it hot off that side. Um, you know, like I said, he's got to protect the ball better. He had that fumble late. And then the bobble snap could have cost him the game as well, where he turns and just throws what should have been a pick. <laughs> yeah, number 44 had a chance to end the game in the first game two weeks ago on the final drive, and it was right in his hands again. It's amazing how lucky he gets on some of those throws. I don't know how he does it. Here, here's the thing. Yeah. As, we, as I transition this into what they are, San Francisco turns you over. This is a... This is a four-turnover game the way he played against the 49ers. San Francisco pressures ten times more than the Giants. I don't understand, without running the ball, and it's hard to run on the 49ers, how you think you're going to protect against the 49ers and how you think you're going to get the ball down the field against San Francisco. Like right, right now, this offense is so unbelievably basic in the pass game. Like their past concepts are are basic, and it's, my question is, do they believe that they're trying to simplify? Why are they trying to simplify? What are they trying to accomplish in the past, in the past game? What are they afraid of? I, there's something missing there with what they're doing in the past game and the, the complement past game. There's really no drop back game, which to me is interesting because when they get into critical situations where they have to drop back, Heineke seems to operate better. You think he operates like, better on pure dropback? When they when the game's on the line, he does. Well, yeah, we we've had some of those occurrences for sure. That's true. But they don't want to drop back and throw. I don't. I'm not sure if they threw it once on second down and seven, eight, nine, ten. They just ran it every time, and the run game was fine. But if you're going to run it on second and seven. Run fucking tempo on second down. Get to the ball and go tempo. And, and by the way, I thought about this over the weekend, and I just hated the Heineke comments of there is just it's hard to get to stuff. It, it is not hard to get to stuff. You can attach hurry up to thirteen plays in your offense. So those thirteen plays, we know we're on the ball running at go. We're on the ball set go. We're running thirteen plays attach. Hurry up, attach, whatever you want to call it, Apache. Call it your natural disaster, tornado package. You know, hurricane, tornado, whirlwind, tidal wave. (laughs) There are eight plays that we're going to run. When you hear tidal wave, we just know where we're lining up and what we're running. NFL guys can do that. It's not hard to memorize eight hurry-up plays, six a week. And if you get to a second and seven and you go tidal wave, then let's get on the ball and run it. You know, let's get on the. If, if we know we're going to run it on second and seven, get on the ball and go 80, 80, 80, and we're running gun outside zone. Let's get on the ball, snap it, you go. They're too slow. They're too lethargic in their in their timing and pre-snap process. They try to use motion a lot and they try to shift, but it's starting to remind me somewhat of what when I was playing and Al Saunders shifted every play and the, and then defense is start standing there and watching a shift. Like we'll wait for your shift. Then we'll line up our defense. Some of what's happening right now is a defense will slow play him to shift to motion, 
and then they'll align their defense to it. They know they're going to shift in motion. You've you got to go on go. You've got to go quicker. You've got to go on more hard count. You've got to change the timing and the rhythm of what happens in the 45 seconds that you're using before the ball snaps. They are not doing that. 40 seconds. 40 seconds. So, to me, that would be a better way for a, a, what is becoming so, sort of an anemic offense to operate. I mean, unless, unless like their yards per play is not good. There's only four or five teams worse than them. Yeah, what's funny is the other the other get, the other night positive yards. The other night the he averaged fourteen point six yards per completion. And they averaged, you know, in the running back averaged seven point four yards per carry. I still think, and I want you to finish up with Heineke and, and, and give it a grade and, and do what uh, uh, the other stuff from the game. I just I, I I've mentioned this a half dozen times this week, Tommy and I talked about it yesterday. This was the game to me that it was so obvious that you this is a team that struggled to stop the run. You are you are gashing them and even when you're not gashing them your back is carrying the defense for 4 or 5 yards, 6 yards, 7 yards. Mm-hmm. And why even get away from that? You know, I, I you know a couple of play actions here and there that's fine. Um, but for the most part, I, in a game like that, it's obvious that they don't want to see number eight coming downhill at them anymore. He's going to get the ball 25 times, and then Gibson's going to get it another 12 times, and we're going to end up with another Philly game, except that the 49 carries are going to go for 275 because they can't stop the run. And their best thing defensively is their pass rush. And so why would we even do that? I, I, I'm it's what I suggest. I mean, but the, and I hate this because it's what I suggested to you twice last week: is get on the ball and go. They can't stop eight. Yeah. Get on the ball and run. Take three yards. Take wear them down. And when they start crashing, you you know, at a shotgun, go ahead, keep it. And I want him to be more aggressive on those zone reads or those combo zone read RPOs. He's not very aggressive on those. I don't they think don't he throw RPO. Well, the I, I think you know when you mentioned I mean, on, on the on the on the read option where he didn't keep it, it, did, it looked like Dotson. Throw to the flat. Yeah, it looked like Dotson was in the flat as an option. So uh, those those are hard to throw in the NFL, though. I know they because are because you only get one yard. I know past the line of scrimmage, Understood. and if you run three of those, they're going to call the third one because uh, you are going to have more than one. Like you can get away with one or two. Yeah, but by the third one, they're going to be yelling ineligible. Let's just go with zone. Let's just go with read option. I mean, he does not seem to be at. I mean, he he pulled it the one time in that minus two. He should have pulled that, and that thing would have been a fifteen yard, twenty yard run. And I think that's the only chance they. He's got to become more of the running uh, the run game starting tomorrow. I have to. Yeah. I just didn't envision Joey Bosa just just chilling him in the back. Balls coming out everywhere. And... <laughs> Well, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that in a moment. But we've been waiting all week. What else you have? Uh, what else do you have on the Giant game? And are you done with Heineke? And if so, what was his grade? I, I think his grade's a D plus. I, I'm not done with Heineke because I again okay, I don't finish. necessarily see that Wentz is dynamically better. Oh, you're not done with it. I, 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 yeah. I think Scott Turner's a D in this game. Yeah. Best case scenario, I, I think there was a lot more that he could have done, and the. But this was the game plan they brought into it. I knew it was game. Like the only, my only question 
going into this game plan was when Heineke, Heineke downplayed tempo. To, like in a brief instance, I thought, is, are they protecting something they want to do? Did he come out and say, hey, we, we like this is hard. We don't want to do this because they're going tempo? Right. Like, oh, that was my only thought. Well, the answer was but, no. To me, that's how they beat the Giants, and the answer was no. Yeah. And, and so it's it's like, what do you – now, the, now the, here's where it's different. Like, I'm not going tempo against San Francisco. Like, I'm going to slow the game way down. And I got, I can't turn it over. But, no, I mean, like, Robinson's great in this field. Like, Robinson's great. You know, Gibson's doing a, a lot of, of very good things for him. There's some of the stuff that works in the run game. They're consistent with what they're doing and how they're doing it in the run game, and I like that. But there's no pet compliment pass game, and you're not going to beat a team with eight yards a carry on 12 carries. It won't happen. Like, teams want you to run in the NFL now because they don't believe you can finish drives. What That's else? why you see the Eagles playing a 3-3 defense. What else from the Giant game? That's what I got. Okay. I, I, I've got a couple. I was, dis- I, was, I, was hi- I was highly disappointed collectively in the offense is, is the, way I would, uh, the way I would put it. I think they had a lot of opportunities that never, n- never came out. I, uh, there are a couple of uh, things I wanted to ask you about. Number one is the flea flicker attempt. Um, I didn't, I didn't look at that yet. Was that a one man show with the Deami Brown? No, he had a corner out coming underneath it. I did actually write that down. Like he threw that ball about 65 yards. I thought it was the longest I've ever seen him throw the football by far. He, he threw it. The other thing I wrote down is, and I, I did mean you talk about this last week. Every other team in the NFL has got this stupid fucking flea flicker play. Like I've seen more of this toss back from the running back this oh. year than and, and I have it work than ever before <laughs> that I've seen in the NFL and Washington's the team that can't get it. And it was covered. But yeah. he did have a corner out coming from underneath it. The he next that, but he, he had some he had some air yards on that ball. The next play was one of the most frustrating plays for me. It's third down and three and you're gonna run Curtis Samuel instead of instead of Robinson or Gibson. Are you kidding me? Like, uh, uh, you, they can't stop you from gain, gaining seven yards a carry. If you're good, if you decided on third and three, you're going to run it. We'll put your guy in that's going to carry the line of scrimmage three to four yards after he's hit. It, Robinson Junior. I'm Ro- with you. Robinson Junior. You know, we've talked a lot about him here in the last few weeks, and you've said, you know, and you always preface it with, he's good and he's really getting better. He's just not going to hit the home run, and they need to hit the home run because there's this margin, you know, slim margin for error offense. But my God, is he a load? Like, he's so much better than he was earlier in the year. And and you know this, you know, because Clinton had some of these games. You start pounding a defense for three hours to the tune of, you know, 40 rushes in a game at five, six, seven yards. I mean, you take it from them. They're done. And and even the, the, though the, the one touchdown drive was primarily through the air, I just don't know how they got away from it. Scott Turner admitted it. I, I give him credit. He admitted it, you know, earlier this week. He shouldn't have gotten away from it. Um, but you got to feel the game better. And as far as the offense overall and your, your discussion of Heineke, Cooley, they want to make the switch. They, they are – Ron basically told JP in the, the interview Monday, if they hadn't scored in the third quarter, they were coming in with Wentz. 
I know that if they didn't tie the game against the Giants, Wentz would have started against the Giants on Sunday night. Wentz is getting – he's very close to playing. Then start him. You can't say it and not do it. You can't mention it and not do it. If you say in any way we, we're basing this on Heineke's one drive in a game or potential, then do it. You can't, we can't leave that pressure on Heineke. Start wins. Especially against the 49ers. I mean, it's an, if this is one of those tests, well, yeah, this we're going to where we're, you don't, this is where you don't start Wentz. This is where Wentz can't no, I agree. I, Wentz, I agree. This is, this is the game you, you can't start Wentz. I, I, I agree with you. You need like his Wentz mobility. Wentz is going to get murdered. Well, you need his mobility, but I would stick with the same formula even when I bring Wentz back. I would still be a run-first team and play action and boot. Look, I, 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 I got into this with Tommy yesterday. Wentz, Tommy goes, he's Alex Smith. No, he's not. He's not Alex Smith. He actually is averaging more yards rushing per game than Taylor Heineke has. He's not a statue. He's just not Heineke. I'm not, you know, so in this game, I agree with you. I think Heineke probably gives them their best shot, but we're going to get to it in the next segment. I just want to see him incorporated into the running game more. Um, I, I, I wanted to ask you also with respect to last week, you said you didn't really watch the defense. But for the first time this year, I don't know, the Atlanta game, they got run on a little bit because Mariota was was a big part of the run game. I was disappointed with the drive after the second Heineke fumble when Barkley went 15, 13, and 16. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and because it's really the first time in 10 weeks or nine weeks or whatever where the other team you knew was going to run it, they're going to try to run clock, and they just ran it right down their throat. I couldn't believe that happened to this defense because overall, I think the defense, you know, minus the 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 the, the drive by the Giants, where by the way, Daniel Jones completed some balls into coverage that were just perfect. I mean, they barely converted some of those plays. I can't. By the way, I didn't ask you about this. I can't believe they went for that fourth and nine. I can't believe they went for a fourth and nine. What were the chances that they were going to convert a fourth and nine in that spot? One in five? Ten percent. Yeah. And and he made a great throw. And, and it wasn't covered I guess poorly. they're saying, is that, is, that, is, that, is that going the same way as, as yeah, Washington? Yeah they, passed, they, they, yeah, they passed on the field goal from the exact same spot. But Ron had fourth and 12. And by the way, has a better defense. There's been discussion about this um, uh, with with uh, a couple of my friends um, that I was I saw the other night at the Dubliner said you 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 got to go to win the game. I'm like, well, I think he was going to win the game because to me, you don't go for fourth and twelve, and you don't send your field goal kicker out there if you don't think he can kick, he can kick a 52 yarder. You've got one of the best punters. You have the best punter in the game. This is going to be a field position game. Pin them deep. It's the first quarter. I didn't have a problem with that call at all. Did you? If you now, if the kicker could make the kick, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it. But I'm not going for fourth and twelve. I'm not gonna give them the ball at the thirty five yard line. I want them to start at their own seven. No, I hear you. I just think the Giants on the flip side are looking at it like this offense is not gonna score on them. Right. You know what I'm saying? I like. I think they're looking at it saying, no, there's no chance they're going to score on us. Well, they haven't scored much this year. You know, I, 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 
I went through this yesterday. They, it, since you know Heineke took over in that Green Bay game, they're 25th in scoring, 25th in the red zone, 27th on third down. They're averaging 19.4 points per game. All right, um, and let's not you know forget they've scored on defense twice. You know, Fuller had the pick six. Two Hill had that late one against Philadelphia. And then defensively, they're only allowing seventeen point six. But the you know, but but the other team has scored two defensive touchdowns. And you know, you've had multiple short fields after turnovers. So you've you've got to score more. And I'm sure that's the thing they're looking at. It's like we can't score with this guy at quarterback enough. No, I, I but uh, I feel you. No, I'm I'm actually watching the Giants fourth and nine. This is unreal. Right? I don't know if you've watched this. I but have. The, the, the Washington is Washington is playing a cover two trap. Yep. Okay, so from the inside, James is running like a twelve yard out route. Kendall Fuller's the corner on the outside, and he's run he runs with the go route on the outside. Did you turn and trap at eight yards here if the, first, if the first down's at nine? This shouldn't have been a completion. This should have been a pick. The safety, the two safety, it has 12 yards over the top of the go route, and he's, it's the only vertical thread on that side. The two safety, the safety's going to cover the go. Like Fuller's job is to actually Jump have in eyes inside and trap anything that comes to him. He, he's essentially trying to make it look like he's playing quarters, so they can throw that out route. It's a hell of a throw, though. Yeah, it's a hell of a throw, but this ball should have been picked, and if it's not picked, it should have been a blow-up shot. And, and so, you like, and you can say, like, you can look inside, and I don't know who's, cover, who's covering him on the inside here. 26. Uh, he knows he's got trap help. He's giving him the outside. Wait, wait. giving him the outbreak because he's, he wants it to be trapped and picked. It's McCain, right? It's McCain. Yeah. It's McCain. Yeah, it's McCain. Who's, yeah, yeah. This, is, this, this is just bad execution on Kendall Fuller. But again, it's a super costly play for him. This is another really costly play, actually. Oh, yeah. But the, you, you nailed it. The, the play that turned the game. Washington's moved the ball on two possessions, and they get the ball back, and the sack fumble. Thibodeau has already been the best player in the game, even though the Giants are down 3 nothing. And that play was one of the, you know, five, six plays in the game that completely impacted it. You know, again, all of the negative plays in the game were made by Washington. I don't, I can't think of one negative play New York made. It should have been pass interference on Samuel, giving Washington first and goal at the one at the end. Um, but that should have been the only one. They played a clean game. Like, you know, you've got to give them credit. For, they, they, they were well coached. They were disciplined. They didn't make any mistakes. That cost them. When you know, when you, know you can only score 20, there's, there's not a lot of room for mistakes. You said we talked. It was funny. We talked about it a week ago. You're like, I think you got to make a lot of field goals, and you're going to have a lot of punts. <laughs> I, I said, and that. I said, you, and I said, you got you got to go tempo, and you got to run more plays. <laughs> there were field goals and punts, and they didn't go tempo, and they made the mistakes. And Gano made two fifty yard field goals. Huge. The last one was mm-hmm. massive. Barely massive. got inside the upright. Barely going in that direction. So from fifty two. 
you know, going in that direction earlier in the game where they didn't want to kick it and Washington didn't want to kick it. I'm still surprised how many people think Ron was like gutless not kicking a field goal there or going for it. You're out of your mind. That's not it's the not kind of good, team Ron. they were. The result and it's was not that Ron was gutless, but it's nowhere you are on the field and you can't take a sack there. Yeah, don't take a sack there. But, you know, no one's ex- – the, the result sucked. The guy fielded the punt and returned it, you know, so it ended up being a net four-yard gain. Obviously, Ron wouldn't have, you know, punted had he thought it was going to be net four. at that point. <laughs> yeah, right. let's do it now. Uh, oh, oh! you're going to return the punt back to the 30? We change our mind. We're going to kick the field goal. We're going to we're we're go We want to try the kick. <laughs> here's the funny thing. Here, here's the funny thing about this, though. Yeah. Had there been a flag on that play, not not moving them into field goal range or, or offsetting penalties, he would have punted it again. Had there been offsetting penalties, he would have just turned and punted again. You mean based on that return? There's no way he's going to... Re- yeah, like let's say there was an offsetting penalty, on, uh-huh. and so it's, it's fourth and whatever again Yeah, from the 40 or from the 35 or whatever yeah, it was. 35. He would have punted the next time. Well, you're not, you're not going to return another one. Well, I would have. I, I would. Well, what, what would your if, – if I would have punted – I would have turned around and punted it again. Of course, I would have too. If that return occurred, I would have just punted again. Yeah. I would Good, offset a penalty. This, but Make it, sure we down it this time, boys. If you watch David Mayo on special teams, you would have to – I don't know this. This would be for you to answer. Don't you, as that outside guy, have to contain? He, he gets inside because I think he just didn't think it would be returned. Lazy. Lazy. Yep. Didn't think it was going to get returned. Yeah. Like the like Nate Katz or like was you, like David, what are you basketball, doing? Me and you playing basketball, and I'm standing like six feet behind the arc, and <laughs> you know that every once in a while I'll make that shot, but you don't want to come out and play defense, and you're like, you can't shoot it. And I just knock it down. You yes. know, give me it. If you can just give me it, I'll make it. Yeah. You know, one thing I did like is the Washington better return game on kickoffs this week. Well, Gibson's been outstanding. In fact, I'm going to look this up because I think if he's now qualified – um, with enough kickoff returns, I think he's got, he's up there in an average per kickoff return. I'm looking it up right now. Um, Good 31 yard average in this game. That'll lead the league. He's had a couple of times. He's had a couple of these already, but he wasn't eligible because he didn't have enough returns. Hold on, I'm getting it because I really do want to see this because he's an outstanding kickoff returner. Uh, so Gibson is he there? Um, twenty four point eight. He's seventh in the league. He's now qualified. Uh, so good for him on kickoff returns. He's a good kickoff returner. I'm telling you, he's going to break one. And let me just throw this out because this was going to be part of my. Well, I'll save it. I'll save it for our San Francisco preview and prediction in the next segment. Do you have anything right. else on the Giant game? I have nothing else other than nothing. to say Dotson is going to just be an absolute. Stud and he and McLaurin together. If they can find a quarterback, they're gonna really they're, they're gonna have a really <laughs> dynamic and explosive team. If they can find a quarterback, and I, and I love and I love that you say that. And 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 with you saying that, that, one of my biggest regrets is that in year six I didn't ask for a trade because <laughs> I never found a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, but you liked it here too much. All right, uh, let's get to our San Francisco discussion and prediction right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This segment of the show brought to you by Window Nation. Window Nation uh, is offering right now 0% interest for five years on new windows. If you've been thinking about new windows, I promise you, you can't go wrong by giving Window Nation a shot. Call them at 866-90-NATION. Go to windownation.com. Mention my name. They'll give you a free estimate, so there's nothing to risk. Their offer right now is 0% interest for five full years on new windows, plus you get two free windows with every two you buy, so you're paying half price on the windows. 866-90-NATION windownation.com um so the 49ers you've touched on it a little bit uh but why don't we uh I'll let you start uh how do they beat the 49ers they're a 7 point underdog and I will just tell everybody the world is on San Francisco tomorrow the public really likes the 49ers tomorrow laying just a touchdown so go ahead Cooley they beat the 49ers because the 49ers beat themselves, and the 49ers are very capable of beating themselves on offense because Brock Purdy is a rookie quarterback, and he was not a premier rookie quarterback. Kyle's going to try to protect him, but Brock Purdy has a sack fumble and two picks, and one of them's returned. Sack fumble puts him in a field goal range. One of the picks is returned for a touchdown, and somehow you make a special teams play, and the and. Do I see San Fran scoring 30 uh, on this defense? No. But you're, you're going to have to generate like 17 points with your defense and special teams. And that's how they win. Uh, that's my that, 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 that to me is exactly what it is. <laughs> that's I mean, my number one, do, too. Do I, I, so here's my number two. You still average you know, 4.2 yards per carry, and you find a way to get 17, 18, 19 first downs, so you're not continuing to give the ball back to the 49ers. You get a couple first downs from your own side of the field so you can punt it and flip the field. You don't give them 34 minutes of time of possession because you can't do anything on offense. You have to do something on offense. And they will be able to, they will run the ball. And they've been able to run the ball effectively against almost everybody, which is insane because they really can't throw the football. But Find a way to run the ball. Find a way to control the clock a little bit, and not kill yourself on offense. Like, by the way, third and six or third and seven and punt is fine until until you're out of the game. But the way you're in this game, you got to give your defense a chance to make some plays for you. 
they beat the Niners because Washington's the first really good defense that Brock Purdy has faced in the NFL. And Washington is a mm-hmm. good defense. Seattle isn't a good defense. Uh, the Bucks have a lot of good players but haven't played well defensively. And Washington is really good up front, and they're getting Benjamin St. Juice back, and I think he's been missed the last few weeks. Uh, and the way they beat the Niners is that, you know, the Niners are playing a real defense for the first time with this, you know, seventh-round last Mr. Irrelevant playing quarterback, and he throws up all over himself. You know, he turns the ball over two to three times and gets sacked and, you know, has a bunch of negative plays. Um, This is a plus two or maybe has to be a plus three in the turnover margin to actually win the game. Probably plus two to cover. You know, a plus two in the turnover margin Mm -hmm. probably gets you a cover and a plus three gives you a chance to win the game. But it's all about Washington's defense you know, creating opportunities for points because Purdy hasn't seen a defense like this and Washington plays it really well, which means that Washington's going to have to start by stopping the run because they run on everybody and somehow they're going to have to stop the run, which is a lot easier said than done against them and then put the game on Purdy somehow, you know, because if he's going to make all these mistakes that they're going to need, it means they've got to stop the run. You know, so if they don't do that, then Purdy's not going to have the opportunity to soil himself. So, you know, that's the only way I see it because I can't see this offense against the San Francisco defense putting up any more, unless it's in garbage time with a big deficit, any more than, say, 230 yards of total offense and 13 points. You know, something like that. And that might even be a, a bit of a stretch. So I, w- I wanted to mention this. The other side of that is also understand that Kyle's going to try to take advantage of opportunities on defense. So you can't give up a fake screen left, fake screen right, and dump the kittle down the middle of the field because you just aborted some form of responsibility. But he's going to try to count on creating – some eye discipline problems in your defense. And he is going to try to create that. Uh, like challenge eye discipline of your defense and get easy throws and easy looks for Purdy. So, so understand, like, you're going to see some smoke and mirrors. Yeah. You, you can't let Kittle rumble down the middle of the field because you're like, oh, shit, it's not a screen that way or that way. Here he is. <laughs> they'll, they'll have that stuff. And formationally, they'll have some challenges with, with Kittle and I think that could be a big problem is you're going to have to stop Kittle. Like that, that is a true safety blanket for Purdy. You're going to have to give Leno a lot of help against Bosa. Um, you're also uh, going to you know, watch perhaps Sweat against Trent Williams in a matchup. These are interesting matchups, I think, um, for sure. But the Bo- Nick Bosa, and I had um, Feldy on um, yesterday from San Francisco, and I had somebody on the other day, uh, radio. I-, I don't think it's crazy to say that Nick Bosa might be the best player in the NFL. He's not going to win the MVP because defensive players don't win the MVP, but Nick Bosa might be the best player pound for pound in the league. And he's a total game wrecker. And they have others too. Their team speed defensively is as good as we've seen in years in the NFL. And so offensively, I mean, I don't know. I mean, can you line Brian Robinson up and go three tight ends 
and try to get three and a half yards per carry on three straight carries to move the chains. Um, I think that, in all seriousness, Heineke's going to have to become part of the run game. You know, on very aggressive DNs like you saw against the Giants, if that's the way San Francisco plays it, he's going to have to pull it a bunch and really put the threat into San Francisco that they've got a quarterback on those on those mesh zone read looks that can keep it. You know, and that'll make it easier for Robinson or Gibson. Um that's all I got. That and I would put Jahan Dotson back on punt returns now. I can't watch Milne anymore. He's a total non-factor as a returner. I'd put Dotson back there. See if you can get a big I play on special teams. Honestly, like I'll even take one bouncing past the punt returner and giving up 15 extra yards just to potentially get one. Like Milne's going to catch it and get you four. <laughs> like four he fair catches almost every time and get or if he doesn't he gets well, if two he runs it he's gonna if he runs it he's gonna get you four <laughs> can't have a fumble but like if you're gonna fumble it just let it bounce like just make, make sure you catch the ones that you run back can we like santana moss for a week oh my god right well, you put santana yeah, back there what matter there. yeah I mean, yeah. this game, this yeah, game, good. this game is a big game put put a, a guy back there like dotson who has a chance to break one I don't know. Do you think Gibson could return punts? I mean, he didn't at Memphis. He returned kickoffs. But, man, Gibson is really a dangerous return. He's going to – I've been saying this going back to when he took over the job. I think he's going to break one. I mean, he had a 43-yarder on the – you know, after the field goal that made it 20-12. to That was a huge return. I don't know if he can. I don't know if he can or can't. I I could tell you, like, some guys can and some guys can't. Like, I could have fielded punts. I could do what Milton's doing. Like I wasn't going to drop a punt. I had good. That was a center fielder. I had, I had good enough depth perception to field the ball. Now I was going to take it back for two yards. Right. <laughs> but like some guys can, and some guys can't. And a kickoff's much different than a punt. Yep. The kickoffs come in the same. Punts come in all over the place. So I don't know. They'll have to ask him. <laughs> what else? What else do they have to do? Have we nailed? <laughs> have we pretty much nailed it? It's like Purdy's going to have to hand Washington. A real opportunity here with mistakes. They got to hit him, and they got to hit him. And you said it perfect. You, you're going to have to shut down the run, so you're not in a third down situation, third and three, where they could still run the ball, which they may very well do. Yeah, they run. Oh, by up. the way, when you're in, when you when you're anywhere around midfield, and, and it's third and three, well, just run the ball. <laughs> if, if you're past midfield, if there's anywhere that you're potentially going to go for it potentially go for it on a fourth and one, please run the ball on third and one or third and three, third and four. Let's get into a, a fourth and one where we can just run it again. But then it's San Francisco, the price does it. The only thing I like about Washington in this game is it's a seven point line. Yeah. That's, that's the only <laughs> thing I like. It feels like it should be about 12, I, I 14. Th- I think that, um, why well, watching them on film, watching this offense on film this week, it was like, this line should not be seven. Well, you know, I mentioned that Washington's the first good defensive team that – But how about flipping it around? This is actually really the first legit good defensive team that Washington's faced um, since Philadelphia on Monday night. And Philadelphia really had a tough time stopping the run, and they have since. You know, this is a – the Giants have a good pass rush, but they're not a good defense. The Falcons aren't good defensively. The Texans aren't. The Vikings are terrible. You know, Indy's not that bad. The Packers aren't bad defensively. But this is by far and away the best defensive team that they have faced all year long. And 
it is going to be like you. These balls can't float against this team because if if these are floaters, Logan Thomas and Antonio Gibson, who nearly had were decapitated on Sunday night, are going to really. The, the, the dude's going to have to fire some of these shots, the short ones I'm talking about. He floated one to Gibson over the middle on a check down that just got Gibson crushed. He's mm-hmm. He's got to keep the ball down. I, he, yes, he's going to have to work on keeping the ball down. I will say this, though. If you get into some of the box looks that they got into with New York last week, which I doubt San Francisco will give them because I don't think San Francisco is going to see that many problems with, with Washington's run game. Maybe they do, but if you get into seven, eight-man boxes, you take one-on-one shots to Terry McLaurin in the intermediate range. You take one-on-one shots to Dotson down the field. Like, you trust Dotson to be a guy that can go down the field right. one-on-one and throw it up to him. Love that. You take shots to Terry on slant routes. You take hook shots to Terry. You take some of the digs to Terry. And you say, I don't care if, if, if it's Ward covering him. Terry McLaurin has this weird knack for beating any corner in the league, and he does, and he's capable of it. He just can't beat him vertically. But he somehow, and, and he can't, and they have to honor it because he's not slow. But he's not like this dynamic double move down the field threat like Dotson is, or really like you'd say like Deshaun, Deshaun was. But he is unbelievable. He has this unreal knack of winning between 5 and 15 yards. And if you get one-on-one, you just Keep taking that shot, Terry McLaurin, until they come up and challenge it. I, I like to me though. You when you get those opportunities, that is who you are. You have the players you have. Those players can win in those situations. You can't play afraid. We've been talking about it like we're so scared of what the 49ers would be if we were coaching this team. But you can't play afraid. And so when you do get one-on-one looks, you got to trust your guys to win. And that is Dotson. And that is and that is Terry McLaurin. I love that idea. I, I I really love that idea. Like you, if you get man coverage on these guys. By the way, that's an easy throw for for Taylor because he does throw some good. You know, he's got some touch on his ball. Um, he doesn't have to sit in the pocket because it's a quick throw and he unloads it. And let's see on these fifty fifty balls if if we can win three or four of them and it could make a big difference. It could you know you could end up being in field goal range more times. Right. Than uh, without it, um, because yeah, I, I think th- that that should be part of it. You know, the the quarterback on the other side has to soil himself, and there's going to be some fifty fifty opportunities, and you got to win three or four of them during the course of the game with McLaurin and Dotson. Love it. There we go. What's your Happy final Friday? What, what's your final score prediction? Twenty seven seventeen. I'll go with a I'll go with twenty to thirteen a push, that line just okay. I don't I'm not ta- I, I I think that somehow Washington's going to have a decent chance to cover. I, the line says that they're going to have a chance to cover. Yeah, so right. I hear you. I just I mean I'm the public this week. I'll go twenty to thirteen push, um, and then uh, it comes down to really having to beat Cleveland and Dallas to have a chance. All right, great job. Merry Christmas to you and Maddie and the kids, and I will talk to you next week. Same as you. See you, buddy. Smell test when we come back to finish up the show right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The smell test brought to you as always by my good friends at MyBookie. Go to mybookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and they'll double your first deposit all the way up to a thousand bucks. Free money at my bookie. You have to use my promo code Kevin DC. If you're signing up and there's already something in the promo code section, erase it and write Kevin DC. Uh, my bookie's got fair point spreads, fair pricing. They've got every single thing you want for your sports betting needs. Every bowl game, every NFL game. There's all the prop betting you want, all of the in-game opportunities, mybookie.ag, use my promo code, KevinDC. Uh, so, 3-3 uh, three and three last week. Um, was 3-1 and one going into those final two games, Tampa, Cincinnati, and then Washington uh, Giants. Washington wasn't close. Tampa had a 17-0 lead on Cincinnati, uh, getting 3.5. But... Uh, Still, only one losing week in the last 14 weeks of the smell test. 11 winning weeks, two 500 weeks, including last weekend. No bowl games uh, this weekend, um, but definitely check in next week because there are bowl games, you know, pretty much every day next week, uh, you know, multiple games uh, each day next week, and very likely that I will have uh, some bowl games. Uh, for your betting pleasure uh, next week. Uh, This uh, smell test is all about Saturday's NFL. No Sunday selections. There's a triple header on Christmas Day, and I don't really love the Monday nighter, although that could change. Uh, On Monday show, it's possible um, I will give you the Colts plus the points on Monday night against the Chargers, Uh, but not now. Here we go. Uh, The Saints are catching two and a half at Cleveland The Browns have gotten on a little bit of a roll. They are in playoff contention. The Saints are still in contention right now for the NFC South. By the half point, take the Saints in what will be a frigid, frigid Cleveland uh, for this game. Uh, The public really likes the Browns. I'll take the Saints buying the half point plus the three. Uh, here's a game where everybody seems to think, well, Detroit's on a roll. They're going to finish 10-7. and seven. They're only laying two and a half at Carolina. By the half point, take the Panthers plus the three. This is the biggest public play of the weekend in the NFL. Uh, Detroit, the Lions have become a public darling. I think they're a really good team, too. I think Carolina's good, too. I think they will have a chance to win this game, which would obviously help Washington out. A lot. Uh, Give me the Panthers plus the three. Uh, The Patriots aren't giving, uh, aren't given, excuse me, much of a shot at home against Cincinnati. I've gone against Cincinnati here a couple of times recently, I think, including last week. I'm going to go with the Patriots plus the three. The public is lined up on Cincinnati. There is a lot of sharp money on the Patriots in what will be a super cold weather game uh, in Foxborough uh, tomorrow. 
All right, Washington uh, looks like the right side. Uh, the public loves the 49ers right now, and why wouldn't they? Uh, the sharp money's on Washington. Uh, this line has been as high as 7.5, even 8 in some spots. It's down to 7 pretty much across the board. The total keeps dropping. See it at 38. I see some 37 and a halves out there. Uh, I'll take Washington plus the 7. Uh, Cooley and I laid it out in terms of how they keep it close. And I think, you know, clearly this is a game where the odds makers believe Brock Purdy for the first time will struggle against a very good defensive team. This is a plus two turnover margin for a cover, a plus three for a chance for an outright win. Uh, Somehow, as I mentioned, I think Washington keeps it close and has a chance to cover. I know I predicted 20 to 13, but in the smell test, I'll take the plus seven and hope we can get, you know, a 20 to 10 game with a little backdoor cover at 20 to 17 with a late touchdown, something like that. Uh, All right, Saints plus three, Panthers plus three, Patriots plus three, and Washington plus seven. Uh, Again, the Monday night game, I kind of like Indy, but I'll hold off on giving that out until Monday. Let me also just wish all of you a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, uh, and thank you for your support of this podcast. I love doing the podcast. I actually love it more than even doing the radio show, and I love doing the radio show, but the podcast gives me an opportunity to work, um, obviously, with my longtime radio partners in Tom and in Cooley. Uh, It's just my preference to work uh, with uh, other people rather than working alone. So I enjoy it so much. And the only reason I get to enjoy it is because of your support of this thing. Uh, Not just the ratings and reviews, which are always helpful, but just the fact that you listen so often. And so many of you do. And um, I love the connection that we've made uh, over the years. And... We have many, many more years, hopefully, to do it. I mean, this is the wave of the future. You know, podcasting, it's not the wave of the future. It's the wave of now. Um, but really, it is something that, you know, I, I've Tommy and I talk about it all the time. Cooley and I have talked about it all the time. You know, it's something we can continue to do uh, for as long as you guys want us to do it. And, um, and I feel, you know, from so many of you that you enjoy it. And uh, I so appreciate the support. So Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. I'll be back on Monday. I'm not doing a radio show on Monday. I am going to do a podcast show uh, recapping uh, Washington and San Francisco. So until then, have a great holiday weekend. Enjoy it and stay warm. The simple phrase To kids from 1 to 92 Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to you.